Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas, Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You ever heard of a Renaissance Festival? Well, I think everybody has. They're a lot of fun. People always make jokes about them. And usually the people that make jokes about them have never been to one. But we're going to talk to somebody who is the expert on the topic. (laughs) He's written a fascinating book. And people that like these things, which are there's quite a few, love this book. It is really the definitive book on the subject. His name is Al Olson. And the book is The History of the American Renaissance Festival. Aware of all the hippies gone. Uh, Al, welcome. What a great topic. Do you find that, too, that a lot of the people that make fun of these things or or make little snide comments are people that really have never been there? Absolutely. Uh, The whole reason that I decided I had to do the project was the fact that back in the 80s, uh, it was a sitcom joke. They, you know, they always made fun of them uh, on TV and as well as other people, and at that point, I had been in the industry long enough to know that there were some very, very talented people who had a lot of other choices in life, and they chose this because they were able to create their own reality. I love the concept. I remember going to one of these, and I went with the same uh, trepidation. I kept thinking, oh, what, 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 why I'm doing, I'm doing this because a girl wants to go, right? Why else would I go? But, you know, you get there, and you, you see people really into it, and you just have to kind of put yourself almost like if you think of it like a time machine i think that's a way you can really and you're kind of open to it, you can really enjoy it and put by the time the day is over you're 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 one of the people in, in a sense uh, do you find that the, the more people spend time there they kind of get comfortable and they find out what part of it they like the best absolutely there's so much to choose from and uh we really find that uh once people do come out they tend to come back it's uh, it's a fun space and it's also a safe space Well, let's talk about what people are going to see there, first of all, because I think some people don't know or they have just an idea in their head they don't know. First of all, it's all about the 16th century, right? I mean, it's all, uh, you you got to transport yourself to a time. How do you describe the atmosphere there? Well, uh, you come through the gate and you should feel like you're in a uh, 16th century village that's immersed in a festival. Uh, and so everyone is selling goods. There are jugglers. There are mimes. There, uh, off time. Most most big shows have a joust. That's kind of the centerpiece. But uh, all sorts of entertainment, all sorts of handmade goods, and also a wide variety of foods to eat. It's uh, all the senses are are pleased. And this is really what you would see. They did have these festivals back in the 16th century, and this was a real big form of entertainment. Yes, yes. They would uh, celebrate a battle or the birth of a, an individual or, or some sort of product in the region, whatever. But that was the excuse for these festivals. 
And you can have a lot of fun into it, right? Even as a visitor, you know, it's obvious, and we'll talk more about that as we go along here, the, you know, the people that participate and, you know, the, the entertainers and so forth. But even as a guest, they're like with these games and so forth, you are allowed to participate and so forth, right? It's not just a matter of just strictly observing. Oh, you are encouraged to participate. Absolutely. Uh, I, I worked for over 30 years full-time uh, with a stage act, but we were also required to be characters in the street and interact with people, and, and I love that. Yeah, it, it, right, and that and that's kind of the fun of all this. And also, the food. You can't let that go without... I, I remember the first one I went to, seeing some people, particularly some of these big guys, eating these big turkey legs and so forth, which just made you think of that, you know, kind of using your hands and so forth. That's a lot of fun, isn't it? And, and I guess it's really different than anything you're going to find at an amusement park or anything like that. Oh, yes. And, and they, uh, there are different people who come in and do their specialties. And so uh, you get all sorts of ethnic dishes as well as uh, hand foods. You don't just write about these. You were in the business. How did you get in the business? Well, uh, I was part of a folk singing group back in the 60s, uh, and we were doing a theater show, and the entertainment director of the Minnesota Renaissance Festival uh, came to see the show and hired us on the spot before we even knew what it was. And uh, so basically we we wrote original Renaissance music and performed for a year, but with people like Penn and Teller and Avner the Eccentric and Turk Pipkin and people like that, we found that there must be some better way, and so uh, we came up with uh, the Singing Executioners, which uh, turned out to be a 35-year career. Penn and Teller are like gods in Las Vegas, so we, we really appreciate the work they've done. And there really was a way of taking your typical, in their case, your typical magic show, and really people leave saying, well, that was different, even though it's in the same topic. And it sounds a little like this is something like that, too, where... Again, you can go to Disney parks or something like that, and they may have, like, Frontierland and all that. This is a little different, though, right? I mean, it's really, I guess I'd call it, like, entertainment, but it's also an immersion into the culture of that time. Yes, and actually, uh, Penn and Teller have carried over that Renaissance background because they, I think they still uh, go out and meet their uh, crowd after the show. And I think that's one of the reasons, you know, they're still doing this and uh, they've done it for decades. People just love it. And that association with the crowd is important. Do you find that's one of the reasons why the Renaissance uh, fairs across the country and so forth have such loyalty? Because people like that and they they feel they're made to feel kind of a part of it, which makes you want to go back. Oh, absolutely. We uh, we used to bring up a volunteer to have his head chopped off. And we usually tried to pick a, a jolly large guy. And as the years went on, uh, you could just see uh, four or five large guys kind of sitting out in the audience with a big smile on their face, hoping they'd get picked. <laughs> well, let's talk about these things uh, from a historical standpoint. When did they start? And I guess they're everywhere now. Oh, they're all over the place. Uh, in 62, Phyllis Patterson uh, had a... Uh, a theater group that she had a little party in her backyard and they uh, decided to uh, go a little heavier and, and started the, uh, the pleasure fairs in 63. Um, and that's certainly where it started. Now I make a distinction between the pleasure fairs and the Renaissance festivals because the pleasure fairs are a living history event. Although since REC has taken over, I guess that's not as big a focus, but originally they were all about, 
actual history. And Jeff Siegel, the uh, promoter of the Minnesota Renaissance Festival in 1977, was asked by a reporter, what years does this event cover? And he said anything from King Arthur to vaudeville. They're always in kind of in places, at least I've found, they were kind of off the beaten path a bit and so forth, which made that kind of interesting. Kind of leaves to your subtitle about uh, where have all the hippies gone. Because it, it wasn't, in, in your, at least when I went back years ago, they were always out in the country, that kind of thing, kind of a fun place. And kind of, you didn't see a lot of planes going overhead and so forth, which made you kind of feel like you were transported back in time. Right. It's actually a necessity, too, uh, to get away from the city because you need uh, a lot of acres to uh, pull one off between the site and the parking. Talk about the industry, then. Are there people that are particular experts in this kind of thing that go around? Does everybody share with the other people what they do, or is there some sort of competition between people putting on these fairs? Uh, there there used to be a competition. It was, it was kind of funny. Uh, uh, people would try to squash other events, which was silly because... These events feed each other. People go to one and they go, oh, is there another one fairly close? I'll have to check that out. <laughs> they finally learned this. But uh, most of the events are individual. Uh, the, the fellow that I mentioned, Jeff Siegel, who hired us originally, uh, he produces two major shows and he also uh, does consult for people and has quite a bit in the past. Uh, uh, George uh, Coulomb, who uh, is more or less the father of the American Renaissance Festival, he also uh, has consulted quite a bit. Yeah, you mentioned that there is some variety, obviously, of what time period and so forth exactly, but there seems to be a certain kind of standard of these things. You don't, you know, it doesn't strike me like anybody's really making fun of these things and putting things on. There's a, a certain, um, I don't know, kind of an unwritten law about these things. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, the Renaissance festivals, mm -hmm. they just want to create the feeling. They're not concerned with authenticity, or, or certainly we wouldn't have had a job because we, we did parodies of a lot of Broadway tunes in our show. <laughs> Well, let's talk about these festivals. You know, we're talking about it goes back to, you know, the mid-20th century. How have they progressed? I understand they've grown in popularity over the decades. Is that the case? Oh, yes. Uh, most of us who were involved uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, we didn't think it would make it to the millennium, but uh, we, were, we were very wrong. And uh, since COVID, they have just exploded. Uh, the problems that festivals are having now are with lines, with running out of food, with crafters running out of product. Uh, once uh, people were able to go outside again, they just embraced the Renaissance Festival. Yeah, and that's part of the appeal, too, because you're out in the in the elements and so forth. It's kind of fun that way, too, right? I mean, it gets to your basic needs. Oh, absolutely. No, it's, I mean, you've got, you've got the outdoors, you've got entertainment, you've got a really good vibe. I mean, it's all about making people happy. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, it's funny because, again, getting back to your subtitle about uh, where have all the hippies gone, I think this was associated back in the 60s and 70s kind of with the hippie movement and so forth and the leftover, you know, the Grateful Dead crowd and so forth. I don't think that's the case anymore. I, th I think they're coming from everywhere. Don't you? I mean, I, I think it's really oh. become mainstream. Oh, absolutely. No, nowadays it, it, it collects everyone. It was just... Uh, but in the beginning, it was uh, actually in the California pleasure fairs. 
it was it was a real safe space for uh, for the hippies. They they kind of uh, flocked <laughs> to it, and uh, many of them uh, came up with crafts to uh, crafts and arts to uh, make themselves a living from. And and those people uh, now are are just businessmen, but uh, business women actually too, because that's a nice thing about the festival is that men and women are on an equal footing uh, as far as business is concerned, which is another positive. Kind of a funny thing I've noticed, too, is uh, you'll see out on the, in the Internet and so people talking about cosplay. Well, this was really where the cosplay started, right? I mean, if people would dress up to go to this thing, you know, and, and some people really put a lot into it. Oh, absolutely. Uh a lot of people that show up uh, spend more money on their uh, outfits than the people who work the shows. And, and of course, you see everything. You see Star Trek. You see Doctor Who. Uh, you've got uh, mushroom people lately, which is kind of interesting, uh, and and all sorts of other uh, other things that, that people just wear what they want to come out there and uh, can pretend uh, whatever they want to pretend. I remember the, the biggest complaint I heard about these things is some people would approach other people and start speaking in, you know, 16th century English and so forth. Like, Get out of here. But that's the fun of this thing, too, because you can just ignore that. I mean, if that kind of thing's going to bother you, this probably isn't your cup of tea. Yeah, there are people that don't like it, but uh, for the most part, uh, there are shows that uh, dedicate themselves to street theater more than even stage shows because. Uh, that's what the producer wants, and he seems to think that his audience is, that's what they want. Well, this is really a fascinating um, lifestyle, cultural look at something that's man managed to last through a big changes in our culture. These things have stayed, you know, in, in the same type of thing. People love this, except it's got more popular, and this is the book you got to have. So let's talk about the book, and then we'll tell people where they can get it. First of all, the book is The History of the American Renaissance Festival, and people love it because they. I, I checked around and doing my uh, preparation for the interview. Everybody says the same thing. This is the definitive book. There's really nothing out there that covers it. You and uh, the photographer, uh, I want to make sure I pronounce Mike's name right, Mike Barich, is that right? Mike Barich, yes. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you guys have done something that, you know, again, if you were going to do a report on this for school, this is the book you have to have. <laughs> Yeah, well, I uh, as I say, it's it's my family. It it was my living, and uh, I I had to do it. It was a lot of work, but I absolutely had to do it. Uh, the book itself uh, is 357 pages. It's a hardcover. It's on photographic paper because it's filled with photographs. Oh, absolutely. In fact, this is as I saw it, I thought this is the perfect coffee table type book. It's always gonna it's always gonna bring up a conversation. It's fun to look at. Even if you hate Renaissance fairs, you're going to love this book because, you know, you can make your points based off of this. Because, again, you've brought this whole world in one book. It's something that we all know about and nobody really talks about. So this is great, and people are going to start talking about this. Well, I certainly hope so. <laughs> and uh, and I'm working on a second project now because of all the people who were disappointed in not making it into the first book, even though I covered 32 Renaissance festivals and had 54 biographies in it. But in the meantime, this book is the history of the American Renaissance Festival. I assume you can get this everywhere, right? I know you can get Amazon, Barnes yeah, & Noble. I would certainly prefer uh, people go to singingexecutioners.com 
there's a button there, and uh, you can get uh, autographed copies that way. I love that. Okay, so singingexecutioners.com. That's fairly easy to remember. And then you can get the signed copies, too, which this book should be signed. I mean, it's that type of book. Absolutely. No, I, uh, I, do, uh, I did it for people to enjoy, and I'm glad they're enjoying it. Well, we are enjoying it. We'll keep on getting them and so forth. We'll get it from your site. Hopefully, we will have you on again when the second book comes out. All right. Well, thank you very much, Stephen. Please remember to follow Vegas Never Sleeps on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And thank you for listening today. This is Stephen Manchi reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Vegas, here we go! Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airline travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-430-7923. That's 800-430-7923. Holy Gentle Giants dog food, Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the caped crusader, and now I'm the canine crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. Yours can too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants life-enhancing dog food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog. Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now for the 50-pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-870-3609. 800-870-3609. 800-870-3609. That's 800-870-3609. Attention timeshare owners, call the timeshare exit hotline now. We can help you legally get out of your expensive timeshare contract. If you're fed up with the maintenance fees, learn how you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently. Call right now for your free consultation, 800-803-5449, 800-803-5449. 
800-803-5449. 800-803-5449.